0: Hello. Hi everybody. Welcome to I Have, Have a Strange, Strange Story Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. We, this is take 2 you guys. First is the worst, second is the best.
1: Yeah, just like we we're going to
0: it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um everything got erased and we had to start over.
1: Yeah. So, welcome to the show.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the podcast where we have episodes where mm-hmm. we tell people strange and paranormal stories and experiences, and my name is Lindsay and I am Rebecca, and welcome to the <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for coming back. We appreciate you. Yeah. And, um, uh, we did this already once before. I know it's new to you, but um, today we do not have any announcements except for Lindsay.
0: I'm not even going to do that announcement. It's not even worth it anymore.
1: <laughs> She's going to have dragon fruit, you guys, for the first time. I'm just going to let you know. She's really fucking excited about it, but it I was excited. Yeah. Our
0: last opening was really
1: cute.
0: Uh, it was pretty messed up. I like it when it's messed up. <laughs> I think it's what, that's what give us, it gives us our edge. that's what we have all all, over all the other podcasts yeah we fuck up and we don't edit it out we're real welcome to the real world podcast (laughs) right (laughs) Mm -hmm. the true story of two
1: sisters (laughs) telling stories about the paranormal true stories
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyways Uh, Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah, I'm going to have some goddamn dragon fruit.
1: Yeah, she's going to have some dragon fruit. We don't have any announcements. And uh, let's just get on with the show then, shall we? Okay, yeah. Yeah. You go first, sister. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. So I have a cool story. Um, It's kind of a series of events that revolves around um, this woman's family member dying. Um, And I'm just going to give you a little bit of background about this woman. So she... Identifies herself as somebody who is who is hypersensitive. Okay. So, same. The, maybe not in the same way, but um, okay. <laughs> she is. Um. She has this sense where she is aware of people's emotions. Um and um I guess kind of like empathic like she can yeah. feel a room like she can walk yeah. into a room and and know what is going on before anybody says anything to her. Um, She says that this kind of runs in her family. Um, Her grandmother, her father, and her aunt also have this kind of hypersensitivity. Um, And she also expresses that um, she feels like she's a little bit clairvoyant. So that's kind of cool. Okay. And this kind of explains, this story kind of explains one of these episodes that she has. Um, it involves a lot of her family as well. So just to go into um, who this story is about, it's about her. Um, she also has a big brother, a little sister and her parents, um, and then um, an aunt and uncle. So... She says that um, her aunt and uncle were like second parents to her. They didn't have, they never had children, so they spent a lot of time with them in, in raising them and everything. And, and they were, it sounds like they were all a very close knit family. So this starts um, a couple of years ago where she is at her aunt and uncle's house and they're having a great time. She's an adult at this point, um, and her and her siblings actually live out of town, so they don't get to see them as much. Um, but they're there, they're having a good time. She says that her uncle, just to go into what's going on with him, has had um, a couple of strokes. And he recently has been in and out of the hospital. Um, he's just just a beloved member of the family. And even before all this, he is somebody that everybody loves. Um, he's super positive. And she said he had a really great laugh. So just one of those really nice guys. She said at this particular event, she was, uh, she was leaving. Everybody was saying goodbye. She turned around and had a moment. She looked at her uncle and she thought to herself, I will never see you like this again. And it was a weird moment that that it popped into her mind. She kind of shrugged it off. Like it probably wasn't that big of a deal, but oh well. So about a month later, um, this is unrelated to her uncle, but she had this weird dream. That her little sister was pregnant. Also kind of a weird thing. Didn't think much into it. She shrugged it off. And then her father announced that he's going to go on uh, a trip to Europe. And she fucking loses her shit. She starts... She just begs him not to leave. She's like, something is going to happen. I can feel it. Do not get on that airplane You know, And it's just an overwhelming uh, feeling of dread. Um, But her family is used to these things. And they were like, dude, just chill the fuck out. Dad's going on a trip. He's going to be fine. And her family is just like, you know, whatever you say, you know, we're not going to do it. We've been through this before. Everything's going to be fine. Um, But she just still had this weird feeling that something was going to happen. But when the time comes for him to go... She herself drives him to the airport. He takes off. Everything is fine. He lands in Europe. Everything is fine. So she decides that she's going to tell her sister about this dream. And she's like, dude, such a weird dream. You know, you were pregnant. And uh, her sister was like, yeah, well, I was pregnant. um, And I had an abortion. And she said that she was nerve. She could tell her sister was nervous telling her um, about this. She says her family is the kind of kind of old school about marriage and pregnancy. And then also, she and her little sister didn't really have a great relationship. But she she put on her big sister pants. She asked if she was okay. She told her that she loved her, and that was that. That was the end of that episode. But a few days later after that phone call, she got another one, and this time it was more serious. Her uncle was admitted to the hospital, and things were not looking good for him. He couldn't eat, and he was in pain, and I think he had another stroke is what happened. But she said, and I, I quote this because... um I liked this quote that she said, I don't know, um, it just kind of hit me, but it said uh, the option the options that the doctors um, have were going to affect his quality of life or rather re- affect the quality of dying. So they decided to um, to take him home and and just have hospice care for him there so At this point, things are serious. Everybody needs to come and say goodbye to their uncle. So she and uh, her older brother drive to their hometown to go visit him. And this is the first time that she sees him after this hospital visit. And she says he was not doing well at all. Um, He had lost a lot of weight. Um, He was in and out of sleep. And then if whenever the morphine wore off that he was given for pain, he was um he was like so painful like crying out just um just not in a good way um she said it was brutal at first and then another thing is that her aunt for some reason did not want to tell um her brother who is their father that this was all going on and she says it like in a way she was in disbelief maybe that this was all happening I think whenever we're going through this type of thing, whenever somebody is dying, we don't know what to do. And I think that we get afraid that if we tell, you know, my brother some for some reason is going to be upset if I tell him to come home and nothing happens. We can't predict those things. It's but true. I, I think that, that that's what was going on through her head. But the family eventually convinced her that it was going to happen. So this uncle you know, had been in their lives for so long. Um, Their father and this man were very close. It was very important that he, you know, come and say goodbye and see him. So they call the dad. He catches the next flight, and he gets home. They said it was a 17-hour flight. He got home. Her little sister, though, has a very hectic job and couldn't take time off of work. But she eventually gets to their house, and she seems detached and not necessarily uncaring, but just calm. And her and the older sister who is telling this story said that maybe she thought, well, she's probably just having a really hard time dealing with this. So she gets to visit um, and then she has to go right back to work, which is unfortunate. Whenever the dad gets there, she goes and picks him up. He's like, is he dead? She said no thankfully he's still alive. They go to their to their aunt and uncle's house and everybody is um, just taking turns saying goodbye and staying by his side. Um, They're apologizing to him for any wrongdoings that they may have done Um, and they're also forgiving him in case there's anything that he needed to let go but he is um, he's unconscious at this point. The family members that can't be there are calling and doing the same thing they just hold up like the phone to his ear and they just tried to make him as comfortable as possible um and about 48 hours later he passed away she said whenever a the priest came by i guess to kind of bless the house i don't know really know what a priest does um but he said she said he was smiling he was very happy He said, I can sense your uncle's spirit. He's confused, but he's okay and he's at peace. And the whole time, um, our experiencer is, she's kind of in shock or in disbelief. And she just keeps on telling everybody, he's okay. He's all right. He's okay. He's fine um he just looks very peaceful finally and he looks like he's sleeping but that kind of all shatters whenever they they take him out of the house and everybody's having a very hard time he is a very beloved family member i can feel it just from from the story the next morning everybody's busy making preparations um and she needs a moment so she takes some time and she goes uh to be alone in the bathroom and she starts to cry But she hears in her uncle's voice, don't cry. I'm happy. I'm okay. Gosh. It's so sad. Um, And she's like, well, that's really weird. (laughs) She gets a little spooked out. She leaves. Um, She goes to the living room. And um, she just notices that there is a bug. And it's above her uncle's favorite chair. And so she goes over to the bug and she fucking kills the bug. (laughs) And she says... She hears, as if her uncle is in the room, laugh and say, good job. And she's looking around, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, And then later that night, whenever everybody's asleep, um, she takes a little walk through the living room, um, and she feels like there's somebody behind her. Um, She's looking around. She's looking around the house, and nobody is there. She never sees anybody, but she goes back to sleep. So the next day at the funeral, which... Which I think is more probably like a wake. Because what they intend to do is take their uncle's body back to the country of his birth. Um, So this is just, I guess, where people are saying goodbye. So family members are pouring in. You know, everybody's supposed to be there. And her little sister isn't there yet. So Big Sis is texting her little sister. And she's like, you need to be here right now. This is your responsibility. This is your family. Why is it taking so long? And her sister is texting back like, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm on my way. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be there as fast as I can. Um, and she finally shows up at her parents' house. And then everybody goes to the funeral, but her sister isn't at the funeral. So after the funeral is finished, um, everybody goes into the hall. And uh, I guess at this church, there's a hall where people can gather for these type of things. Um, they're all eating and talking. But... Um, big sister steals away and goes into the chapel to be with her uncle. Um, She says it's really quiet in the chapel. She's starting to hear this voice in her head. And it's getting louder and louder and urgent. And then shouting her sister's name. And it's shouting her sister's name over and over and over again. And something just ticks in her. She gets up she runs through the hall. She runs out to her car. She goes to, directly to her parents' house um, to check on her sister. And she says she finds her sister in her bed. She is very weak and just passed out tired. She's like, what are you doing here? Why are you sleeping in bed? Why didn't she go to the funeral? And her sister said, look, after that abortion that I had, I just kept on bleeding. She says, I've been bleeding and passing out, but I didn't want to get in trouble and take off any work. So I've just been working through it. She's like, I've just been bleeding nonstop. I've been trying to change my pad and hope that it would just stop by now. But it hasn't. And the reason why I was so late is because I kept having to, to stop to rest on her way over. And at this point, older sister is so focused on the funeral that she just went off on her sister and she's like why didn't you go to the hospital you know why didn't your boyfriend take you to the hospital like what the fuck is going on and her sister's like you know I know that I should have done this uh my boyfriend tried to make me go but I just you know I decided for myself that I'm not going to do anything and and she just refused to do anything because of work I guess I don't know what else. Maybe she was afraid that she was going to get in trouble. And she said, um, she said, she's sorry. Her little sister said, I am so sorry. And at this point, um, she is actively bleeding, like bleeding out. And her sister decides, okay, I'm going to call an ambulance um, and you need to go to the hospital right now. And something clicked in her at this point. Older sister's like, I need to stop being an asshole. She's like, I need to mend my um my relationship with my sister. And everything kind of changed at that point. And she she reflected on what she said. She just had this immense guilt for um for treating her like that anyways. The ambulance came, they get to the hospital. the older sister stayed just to kind of help with the funeral and stuff like that. I feel like a lot rides on her shoulders. After the funeral's over, she goes to the hospital. Um, she had been taken to surgery to stop the bleeding. She had lost a lot of blood and had to re- and had a, a blood transfusion. Um, the doctor said it was very serious. If she had lost any more blood, she would have gone into a coma and died. So after that, her sister's on the mend. It's time to take their uncle back to their country of origin. And so the aunt and the brother... Uh, Get on a plane and they take his body and they're taking his body to be buried in the country. So the night that they left, she wakes up at around 4 a.m. and just feels a presence, but not like she's afraid, but she just feels like there's something different. Um, She turns on the light, she looks around, she even calls out her uncle's name. She says that at this point, she can't remember if she fell back asleep or what happened. The next day, she called her dad and she was like, Hey, did, did, um, did our aunt and brother make it to, you know, the country okay? And her dad's like, yeah, um, they got there, they landed and they already buried your uncle. And she was like, wow, that was really fast. And they said, well, they had to do it fast. Like he's, you know, he's been deceased for seven days and you know, they, they just needed to get his body in the ground. And she's like, Hey, do you know what time he went? Um, he got buried and he was like, yeah, it was probably around 4am this morning. The next couple of weeks, she started having these really weird dreams. She was losing sleep, and it was all about her uncle, and it was about her uncle being alive, um, and she knew that she, he was not supposed to be alive. Um, she wasn't scared, but she was unnerved. Um, she talked to her, her dad about this, and her dad's like, dude, I'm having the same fucking dreams. Like, everything, and it was really weird. They started talking about it, and after they talked about it, The dream stopped. A couple months later, though, everybody is still grieving. She is still grieving. She's having a very hard time. Um, And one night, she had a dream about her uncle again. Um, But this time, she was out her uh, aunt and uncle's house. They were watching television. They were sitting together um, on the couch, and he had his arm around her. He was laughing, and... And just seemed like his jovial self again, um, having a good time. And he looked at her and said, I'm okay, you see, I couldn't do this last year. And he started waving his arm around and she said it was the arm that was paralyzed from the stroke. He gave her the biggest hug and she said she felt um, a euphoric feeling and a total and a total happiness and love. So I'm sure that that helped with, um, with some of that grieving process. Whew, that's the last of the story. Um, so emotional. <laughs> um, so a couple of things that uh, she wanted to point out that I thought were pretty interesting was her whole hypersensitivity or her sense, you know, with her dad leaving. Something was telling her that something was going to happen, that he shouldn't go. And it wasn't necessarily going to happen to him, but he needed to be back. Um, She she felt that her sister was pregnant. And then she feels mm-hmm. like her uncle was telling her, you need to go fucking take care of your sister. Uh, whenever she was slipping away. Yeah. Um, And she feels like. She heard his voice after he passed because he felt happy and he wanted to share that with her. Um, And she thinks that her uncle probably knew that she was sensitive and could connect to her that way. That's a fucking beautiful story. I have never heard a a better story of closure whenever a loved one dies. I mean, yeah, I've heard some really good ones before too, I guess, but this is a really good story. I wish that we could all... (laughs) talk to our loved ones whenever they pass away just to just to hear them say I'm happy and I'm doing okay she describes herself as a highly sensitive person also um, a possible empath and I just wanted to talk to you guys about what um, an empath is and these are people that are highly aware of their emotions um, and of those around them um, so they can feel these emotions themselves so like if if you were in the room with me and I was upset, you could feel that feeling. They can also feel um, physical pain and intentions as well.
0: Isn't that weird? I don't like the idea of feeling physical pain. Like you feel other people's physical pain? Yeah. So like if... Yeah. No, yeah. fucking thank no, right? you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like if you... um
0: Yeah. That's how it goes. I don't want to take anyone else's pain. I know physical pain. I mean, I don't know. Call me selfish. I,
1: you, you don't have a choice. I mean, I know some Ugh. people that are empaths or empathic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it is overwhelming. It is. Um, it's just social events are are draining to them, um, and especially if they go into a situation where people are angry or unhappy. And it's just like mm-hmm. they take that all in themselves, and they have to process that, um, you know. Without,
0: I wonder if I'm an empath. <laughs> I mean, I can mine ask resonates you. as like mm-hmm. anxiety. Do you feel like like you I have feel anxiety from other people, or yeah, like I get no, I get anxious whenever whenever someone's mad and I'm in the room, I get anxious. I guess that doesn't make me an empath. (laughs) (laughs) I can, um, I have anxiety
1: empath. What's the difference? (laughs) Um, I have um, 13 signs of an empath. I can go over with you if you want to hear it.
0: Okay. I want to say one thing. I want to remind our listeners Mm -hmm. that when people die, Mm -hmm. if they have any type of disease or anything bad going on, That leaves whenever they leave. Yes. So they don't cross over with that shit. They get to leave that shit behind. That's amazing. So that's why he could, he, you know, he left his stroke behind. Yeah. Yeah. Or his multiple strokes.
1: That was your physical body. Yeah. And that stays on earth. Or I I don't know where your spirit goes. It might be on earth too, but
0: I don't know. That's a good question. We should look
1: that up. There's not an answer, but there's a lot of theories.
0: We can Google mm-hmm. it.
1: Um, so thirteen signs you um of an empath, okay, and uh, people take notes at home If you feel like these you know these re- resonate in you, maybe maybe you're an empath as well. So wha- let us know uh, let on us
0: Facebook. Know. Let us know on social media <laughs> if you took the test and what you are. <laughs> okay, okay. So number one, uh-huh. you take
1: on other people's emotions as your own classic trait so it just says no matter what someone else uh near you is feeling even if they think they aren't showing it you're likely to pick it up immediately that's me okay number two sometimes you experience sudden sudden overwhelming emotions when you're in public no okay so it says here, if you are an empath, it can be challenging to go into public spaces because you may suddenly find yourself filled with an emotion that came out of nowhere. Oh my God, that well, would suck hatred. So bad. <laughs> it's hatred. Like I get like I hate everybody. I don't think yeah, but you're not absorbing that. You, that's your own emotion. Yours It's my own emotion. You're screwing that up for empaths. Okay. Yeah.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry,
1: guys. <laughs> yeah. We all we I all think need it's already. To. It's clear that I'm not an empath. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep going through these. Okay. okay. So the vibe of a room matters to you a lot. Probably doesn't happen to you. So... Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 empaths are extremely sensitive to the feel or atmosphere of their surroundings. So whenever they're surrounded by peace and calm, they flourish. Um, and whenever they are are not surrounded by that stuff, they probably don't. Flourish. um hmm. you understand where people are coming from um, that's me <laughs> um they have just a fundamental understanding and connection with others um mm-hmm. number five people ter- turn to you for advice um so mm-hmm. empaths are generally very good listeners and they're very patient and they wait for somebody to say what they need to say and then they respond from the heart um number six tragic or violent events on tv can completely um incapacitate you that's for me for sure that's for me too yeah um i don't think i'm an empath but that is something that i can relate to um it's but not to the extent, probably as an empath, it seems. Um, so it says here that they may seem like they are living through the pain or loss of the event themselves, even if it's a thousand miles away, or even if it's unintended, or even if it's in an, if it's a fictional show. Um, hmm. Number seven, this is definitely not you. You can't contain your love of pets, animals, or babies. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I
0: mean, pets for sure. Babies. Yeah, pets. Not for sure. No, but I mean, I think it means pets or babies. Okay. Um, And then pets. Pets are
1: babies. (laughs) (laughs) My pets are my babies. Um, Yeah. So number eight, you might feel people's physical illnesses too, not just their emotions. So I touched on that a little bit. So if somebody is sick or injured. Um, you might go as far to feel, uh, their ailment as if it is your own, not just sympathy, but like you feel a fucking pain.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awful.
1: Uh, number nine, you be, you can become overwhelmed in intimate relationships. Um, so let's see. That's applicable to everybody on this earth. <laughs> sure. That's that's true. That might be something that everybody can can um, can go through. Um, you're a walking lie detector. Huh. <laughs> um, you just have a gut instinct that even if you know for whatever reason people are trying are being untruthful, you can just tell. Um, you can't understand why any leader wouldn't put their teams first so like a manager or an organizer that doesn't pay attention you just like an empath apparently is um a strong leader and will uh, just get annoyed if if a leader isn't doing the best thing for their team um and then let's see you have a calming effect on people and the power to
0: heal them okay yeah I think I got a lot of those, actually. (laughs) I did. I'm not. I ain't. No. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well,
1: I've got some more. So the last one, this is it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You cannot see someone in pain without wanting to help.
0: Oh my God, I'm an empath. <laughs> Shut
1: the fuck up. No, you're not.
0: I'm serious. <laughs> I think I am. I don't think you really know me. I guess not. Here, this is something also. Okay. Um, do you know that I've been dropped like three times from the call? Yeah, I've just I've just gone on. You just keep going? Yeah, yeah. I called you last so missed, time. Yeah, I called you back this time, but I, I missed some of those last ones, oh. but I still think I'm an empath. Okay. Um... Yeah, I don't know, dude. My phone's haunted today. I'm a little freaked out. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, Because whenever mm-hmm. I was trying to call you back, music started playing from my phone.
1: Mm, it's... Yeah. M- okay, so it's Mercury in retrograde. It fucks with your uh-huh. shit. You're also uh-huh. a Pisces. Mercury yeah. in retrograde in Pisces. So everything is fucked up for you. That's the witchy... um uh That's the witchy advice that I have for you. Okay. Well, it's hard to be an empath and a Pisces right now. (laughs) Clearly. I keep on hearing (laughs) a clicking.
0: Yeah, that's weird. There's no clicking. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, things are just going real weird at your place.
0: They are. (laughs) I don't want to be here. (laughs) Okay, Okay. I have a story to tell. Do tell. Um... The story that I got, the person who graciously shared their story thought that maybe they were experiencing shadow people. So I'm going to read the stories. It's, it's a bunch of short stories of things that they've experienced with these shadow people, but I think that we may have a different perspective okay. to share. So basically, this person refers to shadow people in his life as pranksters. And he experiences them at school and at home. Um, And he's experienced them for years. So since he was a kid, he's an adult now. So he experienced these, what he's referring to as shadow people, at school. And it would be in the men's bathroom. And he says what would happen is they would go into the stall next to him. And they would lock the stalls that were empty. Basically to scare you. What assholes? Yeah. To make you run out of the bathroom. They were pranksters. Um, and then he said that he also one time was in the men's restroom and he heard a very small, um, child who he thought was a girl who was crying in the men's room and it was very, very loud. Um, so he said he finished going to the bathroom. He went out in the hall and he found a a teen girl that was there and he asked her if she would please go in to check on the little girl who was crying that he heard. And so the girl opened the men's bathroom door. It was completely dark. It was completely quiet. And there was, um, nobody there. It was completely empty. Oh no. Okay. So those are the things that he would experience at school. So at home, he says that he's seen, um, the shadow people two times in his house. He says they have frequently moved stuff around in his bedroom. Um, he says that he's very fearful of cracked doors because he says that he specifically used to always shut doors because uh, he was scared of the shadow people like peeping through. And he said that they would open them and crack them. Um, so he, he has this fear of the, the cracked doors. So here's one of his stories from home. He was at home. He's on his computer and he heard something walking around in the kitchen. He didn't get up. To go check it out out of fear that there was a burglar in the house, which I would like to say kudos (laughs) to him, because if we learned anything from that movie with Liv Tyler, you wait for them to come to you. You don't go searching for them, (laughs) right? The hunted become...
1: The hunters become the hunted?
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So if you think someone's breaking into your home, don't fucking run out, stay in place. Actually, you know, I shouldn't really be giving this advice. (laughs) That's what I would do. I would stay in place. So, okay. This kid has the same idea. He's going to stay in place. um, And he, he doesn't want to run out there to the burglar. So he waits in his room and then he hears the feet go stomping down his hallway. They slam into the door and close the door. I'm sorry. They slammed to the door and they opened the door. Whoops. (laughs) Um, And it opens up. Oh no. And there is nobody there. So then he got up, he left his home, fucking terrified. He just took a walk for about 30 minutes. He came back home and he still hears something stomping around inside his house. He said that it stomped around for about two minutes and then it disappeared. He said that same day he went and put a, um, cross in his bedroom and that it hadn't really been an issue since then. Power. Okay. So his, right. (laughs) (laughs) So his last story, um, and this is one of whenever he was a kid. So this is before he put the cross up, right? So he went into his sister's room to sleep. She was gone on a trip and for whatever reason, he was very eager to sleep in her room. So he settled in, he tried to fall asleep, but he just kept tossing and turning all night. So he finally just sat up in bed, unable to sleep. And then he started to hear moaning, screaming and crying, oh um, and like people pleading for their lives. Um, it was just echo- echoing through the room. It was very loud. And, um, he looked towards the corner of the room where there was some dirty clothes And out of those dirty clothes, he saw a hooded figure rise and stand in the corner of the room. Um, Then the screaming and the crying and the pleading for help became louder and the bed started to vibrate. So he fucking jumped off that bed. Um, He started to run from the room. And as he was running from the room, he swears that he saw hands reach for him. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Um. So I'm going to go ahead and stop there. These aren't shadow people, sir. (laughs) (laughs) You have something much more serious happening in your life. Um, (laughs) Because that's some pretty intense shit for shadow people. Shadow people just kind of linger around. (laughs) They stand around. Um, There's no screaming and bed vibrating and grabbing um, happening with shadow people. It sounds like a poltergeist or a demon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not into demon shit, but this is the closest thing to like the fucking devil I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, that's... People screaming and pleading for help.
1: Yeah. What the hell?
0: Yeah, this is some serious shit. Get the fuck out. No, it's just going to follow you. I mean, it's... it. I was going to say that maybe the school was
1: haunted because that's where it sounds like everything was taking place, but... Mm. It's at your home. It happened
0: in both places. It's attached to him. Mm -hmm. Because it also... I mean, it follows him all through the house. I mean, it could just be attached to the house. Yeah. He didn't speak to any more of his family members having any of these experiences. But there is something creepy going on for you. I can at least assure you of that. It's not funny. It's not. It's frightening. Yeah, that's scary. But I mean, the cross helped you out, so...
1: Yeah, do what you gotta do. Put some salt, you've got that going for some you. Some salt on your bedroom door so that nobody cu- you know salt's supposed to
0: do something. They'll just go. They'll just blow it out of the way. Yeah, they probably will. Oh. <laughs> like, what's this? Uh-huh. You salt? can try saging. And um, what are some other cute little remedies? Ring a bell. You can
1: burn, hang herbs, burn the house down. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you, I think that this, I'm not, I don't think there's any advice that we. You've come can, to the wrong
0: podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <should>. I think <laughs> this requires a professional. So, yeah. Ghostbusters. And if you're a religious, call a priest.
0: This is some gozer shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Get Lindsay's dog in there.
0: <laughs> well i meant gozer because that's I know, from ghostbusters oh okay i just didn't know you knew yeah
1: i know i know who goes there. Uh,
0: okay okay anyways that's my fucking creepy story yeah that is, that is frightening i know
1: i when did this take place is this still going on or do you know
0: it I, it was very difficult to tell okay. i don't think that it is okay um i think that this stuff happened quite a while ago mm-hmm
1: well, you know, you remember the the series that we did, in the um, with the um, ultimately being gray aliens that he saw. Yes, I wonder yes. if if maybe this is some kind of abduction or aliens.
0: I guess it could be. I hadn't a, that hadn't occurred to me.
1: He saw shadow people too. First, they were just little shadowy figures, and then it was eventual that they became. Asshole gray aliens that that were fucking with his life. That's true. I don't know, dude. Whatever it is, that's fucking frightening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the good episode. I
1: know. I bring the sad, Lindsay brings the scary.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That was a good one. Um Well. I think that's it then. The old rapper? Let's do this. Okay. Um, if you would like us to read your story, if you have something, you know, good to share, (laughs) you can send it to, I have a story story podcast at gmail.com and we'll be happy to read that and,
1: uh, subscribe, rate and review us. If you review us, please give us a good review. Um, take a snapshot of it, send it to our email address with your mailing address and we will mail you some stickers and, um, If you want to mail us your story or something weird, send it to P.O. Box 2292, Georgetown, Texas. That's G-E-O-R-G-E-T-O-W-N-78627.
0: Are you okay? I don't know. It's just weird. Stuff is happening in my room. Oh, bless. I know. I kept thinking I heard something and then my watch vibrated and all. I was like, what is that? Did your watch tell you to, to breathe? I got an email from next door. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's missing a gray cat. Oh, man. Is that my cat? (laughs) It is. Is that Wilson? It's it's their cat now. He wrote out on a banana peel. He was like, I'm in the fuck out of here. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry. Um, Anyways, thanks for joining. (laughs) And and until next time. bye. Bye.